Hey everyone, just a reminder, head on over to patreon.com backslash Hegelbon, that's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N, for added material, extra questions, uh, and even stuff this week from uh, Matt Christman. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Deaf, watching cars, and focus on one, till it's gone, heroes die. Off every day Like fathers that would Never stay The kids are all wrong The kids are all wrong They're full of their Hopeless opinions The kids are all wrong The kids are all Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Higglebon on Twitter, and I'm pleased as pie to have with me uh, one Matt Chrisman of uh, Chapel Trap House. One sixth, I think, is is the number I came up with when uh, Felix was on, and uh, he is Kushbomb on Twitter. But you all know that uh, Matt. Thanks for thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. So uh, Matt, it's kind of surprising we have you on because you are vocally. Uh, not a gamer. Is this correct? I am a emphatic and and just virulent non-gamer. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Um, and you are coming on as sort of like a, uh, we're having you on in the way that, say, like, you know, a variety show might have like Frederick Vertham on to sort of try and convince the, the audience that what they're doing is is sinful, immoral, or, or otherwise just a, a huge waste of time. Yeah, I will say that like if I am able if if by virtue of being on this this podcast I am able to convince a single person to stop gaming, I will feel like it was a successful uh, appearance. I think the I think the odds of large numbers are with you, man. Like I think I think you're going to make it. I think you'll convince one person to to you If know. you save as Oscar Schindler said, if you save one life from gaming, you save the world entire. <laughs> All that it takes for gaming to triumph is for good men to do nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so explain this to me, because you know, I uh, this kind of is like the reverse version of the Matt Brady episode where we talked about Friday. Right? Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. I mean, Matt and I are 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 similar age, and he has started. He has started gaming uh, in his in his thirties, and I have emphatically rejected gaming at the same time. So I feel, yeah, we're sort of mirror images of each other. Okay. So did you game before? I game the way that anybody of my generation gamed. Like as a child, okay. we had, you know, we had a Nintendo and then, uh, as, as time went on, we would upgrade the systems. I had thing, you know, I had like, a. The ones I remember having, the systems I remember having, are, I, I, we definitely had a Sega Genesis. And then we had, in college, I remember enjoying the N64 and stuff like that. Sure. But I have not owned a gaming system in my adult life. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's like, that's a really, uh, we haven't talked about it on the show, but like that's definitely, in my mind, also a super important um, cutoff point where like, 
when you get out of college, if you purchase a gaming system for yourself that you haven't just like inherited by, you know, virtue of owning it when you were a kid, um, that's when you like are making a choice. Yes, absolutely. I was, I was, I was a casual gamer. I enjoy, you know, like I, I, I have fond memories of screaming at the, at the TV screen and throwing my <laughs> controller, playing GoldenEye with friends as I got killed over and over again. And, uh, you know, if, if any of the gaming partisans listening to this want to say, oh, he's just mad because he's bad at gaming. Uh, fair enough. I'm terrible. I was never any good, and it filled me with rage about how bad I was. Uh, but I also, uh, in addition to scorning gaming on just the fact that I was not very good at it and that it did not give me the kind of pleasure it gave others, I have more developed reasons to scorn gaming beyond that. Do you, do you want to lay them out sure. for us? That would be great. I would. I don't know. I don't know if they're they're easily outlineable. It's pretty. It's it's a pretty simple pitch. Uh, All right. The the essence of it is is that to become a human entangled in other humans, to become a citizen of the world, to be like to become a fully uh, actualized person, involves stepping out of oneself and. Uh, communing and connecting with other people and finding in interactions with other people personal satisfaction. And that comes from the fact that there are animal spirits, as, as John Maynard Keynes called them, of humanity that are satisfied only in the constructive interaction with humanity as a whole. And what, okay. and what gaming does is it provides a synthetic reproduction of those phenomena that are totally self-involved and that allow people to basically eschew society and eschew humanity at large because there is this box in their house that gives them all of the same feedbacks that one would get out in the world synthetically. And that then they are able to basically subsist on that and by subsisting on that are, are never really drawn out into the world, are never drawn out into other people. And that's how you get the phenomenon of gamers, quote unquote, as a class and their sort of uh, reactionary libertarian uh, sense of of solipsism because they do not mm. have any sense of the world outside themselves because they have recreated all of the feedback loops and and connections of the world uh, in gaming instead of out in the world where they should be gaining an understanding of their fellow humans. So that's really interesting. I, I have a lot to say about that, but that's certainly the most compelling argument against gaming I've ever heard. It has, uh, as you say, there's 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 some keens in there, but I think there's like there's a very uh, you know a very sort of German idealism and and German sort of post idealism in there that I find, of course, very compelling. I mean, we don't want to, you know, it would it would certainly not endear us to a lot of people online to say that. Uh, this is Heideggerian in, in any sort of good sense, but there's a sense that it is like there's a sense that 
the idea of having to go out and have your, you know, body and soul interact with someone else's body and soul to sort of determine who you are. Um, and it's very, it's a very philosophically sound concept, I think. Um, I guess my question is, how much do you see this as, so I, I want to talk about the class of gamers. Like, let's put that aside because I don't want to forget about that because I think that's a really interesting point and I probably agree with you more than disagree with you on that. Um, but do you see this as more of a, is this a problem that is strictly related to gaming or is this something that given proper technological advancement, like other aesthetic forms could do? For instance, how is it different from say reading a Dickens novel where you get the cast of humanity and you can sort of just like sit in your room and feel like you've gone out in the streets and met, I don't know, like the bag man or something like that. Like you've met the poor, you've met other people, you've interacted in a certain kind of like virtual way. I think the difference is, is that gaming provides an entire apparatus of stimuli. Like you read a book at, at a fundamental level, all you're doing is reading. And I, and, and like as much as you might get caught up in the world that's being created by the author, you're sitting in a room and you're reading a thing. But if you're gaming, if you're behind the controller, the uh, the the system of uh, goals and then rewards that you get from gaming simulate in a in a more vivid and specific manner the system of rewards and um, and interactions that you'd get in the real world. Like you're not just in a fantasy world. You're in a fantasy world that is designed to provide you with those like Skinner style pellets of, of reinforcement, you know, like, like to, to game and to own someone quote unquote, to like to pwn <laughs> someone in multiplayer or to, Richard or Dawkins to defeat a, a, a level that is to feel a sense of accomplishment, like a genuine, like you, 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 if you defeat a difficult level in a video game or defeat a, a challenging opponent in multiplayer, you have accomplished something at a psychic level and in a way that I think is indistinguishable chemically from doing so in the real world in a way that passively uh, observing a piece of art doesn't provide. Like I, I feel mm. like you're getting a visceral sense of accomplishment that is unique that no other art form can provide because all other art forms are essentially passive. Only video games give you a pseudo sense of accomplishment. So I think that pseudo is something that's really important to put pressure on though, where like there's been a lot of people who have thought about this and I'm sure this, you know, this isn't like a super new thought, but the idea that all of these accomplishments, right? When you get to the top of the mountain, um, in any sort of gaming, you think there's going to be some sort of like meaningful reward. So like, um, MMORPGs are perfect for this where like grinding levels gives you the sense of like oh when I'm at level 99 or when I'm at the level cap I'll have achieved happiness or when I get this rare drop I'll have achieved happiness and when you actually get it it's like you don't feel as good as you think you would feel um, and there's a sense like I mean there's a sense that that plays right into what you're saying where it just it, it, it increases your anime um, and like just distances you more and more from the real world when you can actually have those experiences and feel good about people and other other things happening in the world and there's another way where like you want to say and and this i guess would be my defense of video games that there's no better account for what you know capitalism 
and late capitalism particularly do to a person than to give them like something that feels like an accomplishment in the moment, like a psychic accomplishment, but really gives them nothing. Well, yeah, that's true. And, but, but that's the, that is the fundamental trap of, of postmodern late capitalist entertainments in general is that you can underline at every level in any kind of piece of art, the degree, the degree to which the consumption of that art is insufficient to be a real, you know, to, to have a real life, to that, 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 that this thing, that watching this thing isn't real rebellion, that playing this game isn't real life. But uh, at the end of the day, those, that subversive element of it has less practical impact on the person absorbing that thing than the just reality of their passive uh, consumption of it. Like it, it, mm. it, it's the, it's, it's really the, it's the mode of consumption that is determinative because how fucking many times can people point out, uh, Oh, you know, I understand. I, 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 this is irony right now. Like I understand that, <laughs> that like doing a tweet is an activism. And I understand that watching a TV show isn't genuine uh, opposition to the current regime. But uh, that uh, the acknowledgement of it is is sort of a pressure release valve that'll that that frees you of the responsibility of transcending that challenge that that challenge that you have highlighted the the paradox like you by by acknowledging that this is insufficient you have basically shown to others that you were aware of the of this. Uh, paradox and that is sufficient that ends up for most people you can argue well philosophically that's not sufficient but in practice it ends up being sufficient to provide a sense that one has transcended it by acknowledging it it's very at least very adornian uh a critique um yeah no it's that's an interesting point i guess so the way i would press you on that and the way what i want to ask you to clarify a bit so like is your this actually maybe even keys in a little bit to to your thinking on prestige tv which is um i found totally fascinating particularly because you did the thing that i love the most when smart critics do it um which is you say like look it doesn't matter if you like something or don't like something like liking it isn't the point um taste is completely you know it doesn't matter um which i appreciated quite a bit um but I'm wondering how much of your concern with video games from a social level has to do with, you know, the structure of the piece itself and how much it has to do with a lack of faith in like people actually taking it as entertainment and not as something more serious. I mean, I think, but that's the thing is that we live in a world where entertainment has consumed reality. I mean, there's a game show host Mm -hmm. president. I mean, yeah. the, the the idea that we can separate entertainment from action and praxis is, I think, absolutely absurd. Like we we have we have been consumed by spectacle to a degree that does not allow us to to separate these things into different categories. It's fast. I I never would have, and I'm I'm just throwing out names because it's fun. Because this is the most sort of like the, for a while, this is the most philosophically uh, robust chat I've had. But like. Uh, 
it, it amazes me. I wouldn't have pegged you as like a uh, as a a Debordian, well, sort of like a. I um, mean, yeah, I, I like materialism. I'm a big fan, but like, it's just you. At some point, you have to look around you and acknowledge what's happening. You, you, there. I, I, I think anybody who wants to reject the Debordian critique of modern society is at a certain point just being willfully sort of stubborn because what? How else do you define what we live in? How else do you live? Yeah. How else can you explain a world where I've talked about this on Chapo, a woman from Ohio uh, who is a member of the working class and has never voted in her life because, as she said, she didn't want to make an uninformed choice in 2016, knocked on doors for Donald Trump because she he spoke to her. It, what did that mean? It means that for her, politics was a channel on the TV. And before Trump, it was boring, so she turned the channel, and right. Trump made her stop and listen, and she was enraptured, and so that made her an active, political, engaged citizen. Like, that's a world where entertainment has basically uh, conditioned us in a way that is, is transcendent, of anything, transcendent of anything else. So let me so like you say at the end of your prestige TV piece um, that like we deserve better than prestige TV and I, I think that's like that idea of a, of a horizon beyond is what I like the best about that piece um, like it was you know I think the most dangerous thing about any kind of art and this includes video games is imagining that like what we have right now is sufficient right like the idea that like we could never create better or like this is enough like living in a golden age is yeah enough. that that's yeah um, that was my I mean, I feel like I didn't really get it across in the piece, but my main objection to the prestige, the golden age of TV thing is that it's the complacency that it it builds. This the and and uh, and because it, it really does like all of the shows from the very best TV shows to the stuff like Westworld because that was a big thing. As a lot of people said, "Well, hey, I don't think Westworld's that good." And I'm a TV critic. So fuck you. But like, okay, it's still in the same ballpark, <laughs> and like that band of 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 art, it's it's to use a, a an obsolete term, it's middle brow. Like there is no avant garde prestige TV. That's not a thing. Like there there is nothing in the prestige TV wheelhouse that can be considered truly challenging. And no. you have a whole generation of writers saying. This is enough. This is great. We don't need books. They say it. They explicitly say it. Mo- books and t- movies are, are are over. TV is the new art. But it is in a narrow band of, of middle-brow taste that we're supposed to take as, as, as good as we can get. And that is my main objection. So, yeah, no, and I, I, I actually... So to say, like, to kind of, like, quantify, because I'm doing the thing I always do with... with this is always the danger when I talk to someone I disagree with, I end up like sympathizing with a number of their points and having to complicate my own thinking. Um, so I mean, it's good. Uh, but like to, to clarify, I think that's absolutely right about TV. I think the complacency in the idea of a golden age is, is super important to push against. Um, and I liked your piece a lot for that. Uh, it's in current affairs. You should all go read it. Um, the, the question I have, and I think like the question that you're, concerns about gaming and your concerns about the spectacle and this is actually something that i've always found um insufficient and debord as well you know is there and you could say no uh, but i'll ask you to defend it 
is there any place in the world then for art? Like what, what would be good art in, in, in this world that you're imagining if everything is sort of like always already co-opted by spectacle? I mean, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And I would say that if you want to be rigid about it, if you really want to, I mean, I, and if you ask me after I've had a few, I will, I will probably say, no, there's nothing. There's no place. I'd say that all okay. art serves the status quo and is reactionary. Uh, in the situation we live in now. I mean, it's very hard to watch uh, the opposition to this sort of carnivalesque horror of the Trump presidency uh, emerge in and be channeled into these weird uh, fantasy uh, narratives created by books and movies and not feel like all of this is a mistake and all of this is bad. Yeah. Uh, but I would, I guess, my argument would just be vis-a-vis -vis gaming, is that games are worse. Like I would say that at the base, maybe you couldn't defend any of them, but gaming is the least defensible because the 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 fantasy of agency in it really does create the danger of putting one in a absolute trance where we've replicated all of the feedback loops of lived life in a virtual world and that those can easily overcome everything else. I mean, there's a reason that the gamer fail son is a, at this point, uh, you know, recognized cliche and trope because sure. the, the, the life of being in your parents' basement without prospects would be unimaginable, would be something that one would have to push against that one would have to find intolerable unless there was an outlet for all of that self-actualizing activity in a virtual form that they could replicate without leaving the basement. And that's the thing, is that like the, the gamer, quote-unquote, as a self-conceived identity, I think we would both agree, is incredibly pernicious and awful. And reactionary. I, completely. I think it, yeah, I think it's extremely reactionary. I think it's, I think what's worse is that it's reactionary in terms of, and this is something I've had like a, a, a sort of nascent critique of for a long time about like nerd culture or something like that, which I think goes hand in hand, right? Where like, in fact, the thing that you are finding um, a base in or finding a foundation and that you are, you know, turning your reactionary, um, you know, fervor towards uh, actualizing in the world is purely something that's sold in the market, right? And I think, like, on some level, what I would totally agree with you on is valorizing the actual sort of, like, plot characters and, and like, stories of video games, movies, television is super dangerous. Like, even smart political shows that, like, like The Wire, I think, is a smart political show. Um, but, like, the people who love Omar or Stringer Bell are terrible um or like you know i think going back to a podcast that'll be out by the time we're talking um talking about felix about metal gear or um uh hazelman fortin about um you know walking simulators that i find really interesting the point of those games ultimately is the story they tell to the the audience not the actual like people in it it doesn't matter if you like solid snake or not um and if you think it does and that becomes part of your identity yeah, man, that's going to be really, really bad. Well, that's the thing is that is that I, 
unique among modern art forms is that gaming has produced the gamer. I mean, yes, there are people who consider themselves uh, cineasts, and there is like a sad peop a group of, but like, I mean, even in prestige TV, something that has become like a consumer of, I mean, how many millions of people sort of define their cultural diet by what they watch on TV? How many of them would call themselves TV people? You know, basically none. <laughs> right. And then there's a smaller group of Tweety nerds on the coast who consider themselves cineasts. But gamer is a genuine identity in modern America. Uh, as, as Ian Miles Chong uh, said, uh, my ideology is pro-consumer and pro-gamer. And yeah. people accept that and absorb that and say, that's me. I'm a gamer. And I cannot imagine a more pernicious thing than that, than people defining themselves by the fucking uh, uh, c capitalist products that they consume and then, and then generating these insanely horrible reactionary ideologies out of what they would prefer to see. Because if you're in a room with a screen and it's you interacting with it, why would you not, at the end of the day, absorb an, an idea of the world as one where you are catered to specifically and individually? Where the idea that there are other perspectives and there are other people out there with other lived experiences and other ideas become, to the, become totally alien. And you would be unable to understand that. Who are these people? They must have some weird agenda. They must be SJWs. They must want to ruin my fun out of, out of spite because I cannot conceive of a world where anyone else has a different experience than mine. Why? Because my world is this room and this game that I'm playing. Yeah. No, I, you make a really good point. I'm having a hard time formulating my objection. I guess, you know, first off, the objection would be, or the question would be, and maybe I can ask you a question, and and it can I can give myself a little bit of time. Um, so is the is there anyone who could play a game and get something out of it? Is there any positive to get out of a game? So like, you don't have to. I won't put you in the awkward position of saying whether or not I'm a good person or not. Uh, that would be unfair of me. Um, but uh, say like, is there any possibility that someone picks up a game? And let's say it's like a smart game. It's not just like a whatever a blockbuster or like a a, a, a whatever shoot them up maybe it is but like they get some is it possible for them to actually pick it up not take on the identity of gamer which i will 100 percent agree with you is like super pernicious and, and and troubling um and just play it and get something out of it as one would say like you know i went to the cinema and i saw uh you know um what uh, apocalypse now or something like that um and like i got something out of it is it possible for that to happen with video games or is it 100 percent pure negativity uh no i no absolutely i'm sure that plenty of people are able to game and and still be uh still be citizens still be human beings <laughs> still uh understand that there are people outside of their fucking room absolutely but not everybody who smokes cigarettes gets cancer you know mm. it's like there are plenty sure. of things that are recognized socially as pernicious that are not universally destructive, 
but we recognize that the the uh, the sort of critical mass of of impact is negative. And I think that's all I would say about games. I would certainly never make a totalizing claim, but I would say that the that the preponderance of impact by gaming is negative. So tell me why it's not like just a historical blip. Because you think about something like um you got something like futurism, right? And futurism is this is this uh you know, but like for for the audience, futurism is this like fetishization of technology that you know generally is is linked to um the rise of the 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 fascist right in um in germany so like it is a fetishization of war it's a fetishization of of just like you know the 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 angles speed and yeah speed Yeah, yeah yeah speed angles anything like like the the basically if you've ever read or seen jg ballard's crash um or um the film version of it um, Cronenberg's crash, like it would be that without any sort of sense of um, critiques or satirical irony or anything like that. It's, it's just a pure obsession with machines. It, you could argue that then technology, insofar as it lends itself to this sort of war-like or trends towards war-like fetishization, technology also has a, 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 a negative net impact, much like games. So why would why would we sort of like not position this moment in time in the same way as we did with, say, like, the futurists in the 20s and 30s? I mean, I, I mean, it, I guess I, at the point, I, I would probably argue that all of these things are pernicious. I feel like they're, okay. they're I feel like techno- technology is alienating at a, at a basic, at a okay. basic point. And, like, the point of, of Marxism and socialism is that it sort of, it basically tames the alienation that is uh, wrought by technological innovation in a way that directs its conscious direction uh, towards human ends. Uh, but, uh, like, like basically a, a uh, collective understanding uh, that these, these forces need to be channeled. Uh, mm. And I think that gaming is just basically the end result. It's, it's, it is, it is the perniciousness of technology personalized and made into a uh, individual sort of coping mechanism for the alienation provoked by it. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, honestly, that would make some sense. I guess the, um, yeah, it, it, on one, on one hand, I think if you're willing to say that like technology itself is also pernicious, then I, I don't actually have a claim. That's just like a very strong and, and uh and uh pure uh position um that like you know you can either agree with or disagree with but the other thing i'd say is i think on some level your um understanding and this isn't a a slight against you it's just a a disagreement um your understanding of 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 sort of like marxism or or marxist leninism is like um is, is towards technology itself being alienating whereas i would say that it's much more about the labor relation or sort of like the exploitation of ah, hold on a minute both like that's one element of it that's that's an element of it they're 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 i i would not i would not say that 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 either the alienation of labor is 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 is, is, is essential but i don't know how you can argue at any level that technology i mean what is technology at a at modern technology at a certain level other than the ability to abstract things away from individual no, relationships 
you're right. I mean, Marx calls it dead labor for for a reason. It's like it's not good. I would agree with you. Like automation technology has like is like hugely bad. But in my mind, it's sort of like so Marx describes. Um, I don't know the last time you picked up Dust Capital, but Marx describes uh, um, rivers or like natural things like you know in the world as like free inputs, right? Or that's the translation that I have anyway. Um, and to me, in some ways, technology acts as a kind of free input in under like socialism or communism, where you would have like, yeah, it's just a machine. It, it does things like you can automate things and not make them bad, right? It doesn't have to be pernicious. It's only pernicious because, of course, the technology would be used to further the exploitation of the worker, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Technology is liberatory to the degree to which there is a collective endeavor to channel its energies and powers what gaming is is an individualized fantasy a a coping uh, uh, where where the alienation created by capital instead of being confronted and collectively challenged is made in is turned into a soporific for the individual like I, instead of getting together with my fellow humans and saying, this alienation cannot stand, these forces need to be taken control of and put in a direction toward, that liberates all of us, instead say, well, it's fine. I've got my room and I've got my goddamn gaming system. And I can reproduce <laughs> all of those interactions, all of the things that make me a human, all of those things that... Fill me with a sense of accomplishment that make me feel like I am living and reproduce them virtually without ever interacting with another person. Man, that is I. I, Yeah, I don't I actually don't have anything to say to that. That's actually a very good point. Um, I think you could definitely and I, I would agree with you. And I don't know. I guess. My only defense would be I'm interested from it uh, in it from an aesthetic level um, while acknowledging that it's pernicious in that way. But then, you know, you know what Adorno would say of me at that point that I'm basically like just a fascist myself, um, which, you know, maybe maybe as well. Point. No, I'm, here's the the thing. The, uh, like, I'm not I'm not judging anyone who games. No, no, I'm not assuming you are. I, 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 it's just it's just I look upon gaming and I just see sort of the the mechanism by which technological alienation protects itself from uh, human intervention. No, and of course you're right, because like you know you can argue that art itself is a, is a kind of um, onanistic process, and you know, I mean millions of people, or not millions of people, good lord, um, uh, you know hundreds of authors over time have have basically argued that through whatever metaphors they want about you know jerking off, but like you know. Onanism and total um, solipsism are different, right? Where, like, if I'm taking your point correctly, like, even if you're watching a TV show, you might talk about that TV show with people. Or even if you're reading a book and you get so into the book that you, like, you become, I don't know, Young Verther or something like that. Like, someone, the, the figure who is just, like, totally isolated, totally disconnected from anyone. You become Quixote, right? Um you still have Sancho Panza. You still have people you meet in the streets. You still have to deal with people in the world. Whereas in gaming, um, you truly can um, delve into a truly like isolated world. Um, which, yeah, I would say that is uniquely technological and uniquely dangerous. Yes, I would agree with that. All right. Well, um, I still like video games, but I have to agree. You bring up a very... Uh, 
I think you do like a really good job of of. I, I mean, this is this that sounds patronizing, but it's not. Um, <laughs> no, I understand. It really no, like that's that's just how I talk to everyone. But like, okay. uh, you do a really well, good you job are of a like, making it clear, like, you know. Yeah, right. Exactly. You, that's, you have that's you, why. you are very aware of the need to like keep people engaged, and and I can understand <laughs> how in a non ideological yeah. context you're probably very aware that that might seem uh, condescending. But I understand that it does not. Don't worry about it. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, well, let me say it this way then. Like, I like how you do, um, you sort of like lay out why it's like a technological um, and, and capitalistic uh, trap, which I, I think is right. Um, yeah, I guess like, I guess the the tricky thing and, and maybe the, the point of like fundamental disagreement between us is that I think, you know, given the structure itself and given the form itself, there is a sort of horizon for it that is interesting. Like I would say, as you say in the prestige TV piece, I would say like, we deserve better than, you know, the golden age of gaming, or we deserve better than the golden age of gaming and uh, narrative and gaming or whatever. Right. Like, cause people talk about that too. I mean, obviously I don't think they'd call it a golden age of gaming, but like there's smarter games now, but we deserve even smarter games. And that would be the sort of horizon there. Whereas I take you to be saying that there's like, not actually that horizon that this is like, this is a dead end in a certain way. I mean, my gut tells me it is all a dead end, that, that the spectacle will consume us until there's nothing left but boiling the waves of seawater in our lungs. But, Ooh. but, yeah. uh, I feel like any attempt to collectively uh, address what you conceive to be deficiencies in a, a marketplace such as uh, the gaming world could very well... Uh, create the spark amongst those who are making that push in in the direction of solidarity and solidarity is is the sort of the missing ingredient in western civilization and it's one of the things that technology has stripped away from us and it's one of the things that makes me very wary of gaming but if mm. enough people are feeling like gaming is not giving them something and they come together to demand it then maybe gaming can be productive in that way. Unless, of course, like what they feel that's missing is like, you know, larger breasts and more more nudity, and then you just get Gamergate. Yeah. Then you just get Gamergate, yeah. right? Yeah, right. No, I mean it's it's interesting because like the the end of the 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 you know everyone's talked about this game, but the end of Gone Home. Um, the the thing I find most interesting about Gone Home, it's like it's a stupid, you know, a uh, little thing. Um, but I think it's great where like you can continue the game after you've beaten it, and then you're just alone in this house full of commodities, basically. And I think it's this perfect distillation of late capitalism, where like you're alone in a house full of objects that you can't use, um, that mean nothing to you, but like they're still objects, they're still owned, like they were still purchased. Um, you don't know anything about where they came from, you don't know who owns them, you don't have any context for them. They just exist in this world of like self-sufficient commodities because you're the only person in the house um but like i think what you're arguing and what i like about what you're arguing is that there's also dialectically um a a danger there where like the danger is yeah look like that's the game you're playing too it's not just a commentary it's also like it's self-reflexive it's saying like yeah this is like this is the game this is the danger like you could get into this and really enjoy it yes exactly yeah like that's like for me, when I look at someone gaming, I just look at it, I I just see I just see Narcissus's uh, river, you know. I see I see the mm -hmm. reflection, yeah. and I just worry, and that those who gaze upon it will be transfixed. 
Man, that's a that's a profound warning, but uh, I think a good one to end on. Um, Matt, that was fantastic. Uh, I I have to have more uh, antagonistic people on the on the podcast, although you are friendly antagonistic. I don't think I'd want someone who. No, yeah, me. you don't, you don't uh, want it to be yeah. you don't want it to be like pardon the interruption gamer edition. That would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh god no uh, but i would like to i mean it would be cool to have you on again and, and maybe even with people who who uh feel a little differently about the whole topic than i do um so like maybe when i get a competitive gamer on i'll just like i'll sneak you in maury style <laughs> that would be awesome um, yeah just like that, part the curtains and be like bullshit <laughs> I, I look forward to that yeah no we'll we'll, we'll figure it out but um <laughs> do you have anything else you want to uh plug I, obviously uh uh chapo but everyone everyone knows about chapo everyone listens to chapo um although you don't totally uh it's 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 super fun um you know it's it's a as as you sort of may have noticed by by matt's final monologue it's it's a um it's a way of taking the utter tragedy of our lives uh in current america and making it sort of fun um yeah that's that's but, a very good uh, description yeah yeah, that's always how I've understood it. But the uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything that you you're doing now that you want people? To know uh, about? Yeah, no, just the show. Just listen, listen to the show. That's all I have. Yeah, that's all it. I can do. Definitely. I can well, I thanks, can man. yell into the internet with my nasal bracing honk. That's all I have going for me. It's hypnotic. It it can. It, I think there's something to it. I think it's like uh, you know in the in the in the older, in the old, like, uh, lamp lit days of, of the past, you'd be some sort of like soothsayer or something like that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for being on. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. We'll see you next time. Jungle sales are organized and pamphlets have been posted. Even after closing time, there's still parties to be hosted. You can be Activists are sleeping with the sleepers while you're waiting for the drive.